0: so good to be home. This always just feels like coming home to mama's kitchen. Man, I was up here on this, whew, whatever this is up here. Y'all don't even know. Well, you do. Thank God for it. I walked into this little church, turned the other way. Well, I wasn't even here back then. We were in another building back in 1998, 23-year-old kid, you know, and really a little boy in the spirit. And walked out about 16 years later, just a man with a mission that God has commissioned. And, you know, I was thinking this morning, old man Solomon, according to the tradition of the rabbis, in his old age, he penned a book called Ecclesiastes. And one of the verses in that is he says, two are better than one, but a three-stranded cord Is not easily broken. Come on. How many know that God never intended you to walk alone? God had never intended any young person, older person, or in their middle age to live this Christian adventure Lone Ranger style. Many try, but few succeed in that regard. But God has set you in a family. And we've been hearing about identity, which, by the way, is linked to the creativity that God has been stirring up in our hearts. Yeah, the same thing's been happening in Chapel Hill. You know, I haven't seen the movie eight times like Kathy Hill, greatest showman, but I wanted to because I did see it twice. Oh, nine times now. That creativity. God sent Adam to name the animals. Do you think it was just to have a fun little field trip? No, he said, This is the kingdom authority I'm giving you, man, woman. Now, what do you identify them as? God is stirring up that creativity in us, but there's something deeper. It's about identity within you and the Lord, but it's about your identity as a family, as a people. So I'm going to be brief and amazing. I'm going to do something I've never done before, and I'm going to like stick to my notes because I've got 21 minutes. Everybody pray for a miracle. (laughs) Are you all having fun yet? Come on, is anybody having fun? Woo, Bam. I was up here dreaming about what we were going to do, you know, and me and Marlon were like, I know what we're going to do. You remember when Jesus, when they arrested him, he said, I am, and, like, all the guards, like, flew back. Me and Marlon were going to run across the front and do a big chest bump, and, like, the Holy Spirit was going to fall. We didn't try. It hasn't happened yet, Maybe, Maybe that's for post-service Holy Ghost time. I don't know. saw a guy recently um, from Bermuda come to our church. He, he's a, from a British family, only in Chapel Hill, you know. A guy grew up in Bermuda um, from a British family, and uh, he had never really been in church before, but he's a business school student at UNC, and a girl in our church, is classmates with him, so he wanted to go to her church. Come on, I want to go to your church, so she brought him. Blessing was preaching, praise God. I'm sure he probably had no idea, not because of the accent, God bless you, blessing, but because of you know, the context had probably had no idea, but the power of God. So he goes up. All I, I see him up there with his hands raised. I find out later, Blessing just reads his mail prophetically. His back gets healed. Next week, he came back. It's a sweet time, still not saved yet. And then um, the third week, I noticed he wasn't there, so I asked the girl that had brought him about it. She's like, yeah, he, he just messaged me. He had to go home to Bermuda for three weeks. But he's like, man, I can't wait to come back. I just love being there at River Life. I just. So while he was at home, he's like, he found a church. And he went in there and he gave his life to Christ. You know, in, at home in Bermuda. So I'm so excited, you know. Just one soul. Just One. But a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. and Let me just stick to the notes here. Praise God. Jesus. I love y'all. I really do. It's just... Whew. Down to 18. <laughs> Thanks for the countdown, Doug. See, and you even know who said that. Like, I just... Let's just get this out of the way. Are y'all okay? All right. All right, we're good. Here's a few. Did you know? Did you know that God has not called you to live by principles; He's made you to live by passion. How many people? You guys love the passion translation, don't you? You remember Psalm? I'm not Psalm. It's um. It's Ma, It's Proverbs thirty-seven four. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. I'm sorry, Proverbs thirty-seven four. I'm. That's why we were mixed up, because I gave you the wrong. It's supposed to be Psalms, and I put Proverbs. Well, anyway, here's whatever that is in the Passion. Make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life, and he will provide for you what you desire the most. Did you know that God has not called you to live out of duty? He's made you to live out of delight, Did you know that God's not called you to live by spiritual disciplines? He's made you to live out of a whole lifetime of discovery. Proverbs 2, 3 through 5 says this. Yes, cry out for comprehension and intercede for insight. This is the passion translation again. For if you keep seeking it like a man would seek for sterling silver, searching in hidden places for cherished treasure, then you will discover. Everybody say discover. You will discover like Christopher Columbus. You will discover like the men and women, the saints of old. You will discover something beautiful. What is it? The incredible reverent awe, the fear of the Lord. Amen? And find the true knowledge of God. You see, guys, the secret I found, I'm discovering... To growing in wisdom in the kingdom is found in these truths. And in maintaining, maintaining a humble heart, listening to the spiritual wisdom of those who've gone before you. I'm preaching this to three generations. I'm preaching this to, to mine in our middle age. I'm preaching this to the younger crowd, to the youth. I'm preaching this to the older folks. Three chords are better than one. Now let's back up in Proverbs two and look at verse one and two. It says this: "My child, will you treasure my wisdom?" I think Proverbs two is adequately, of course, written for the for the ages. But really, think about our generation that's running together. Like for the first time, maybe since Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We've got three functioning generations, thanks to modern science and, and health care. We've got three generations in the church like running together, running hand in hand. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob might have had more than that. <laughs> they probably did. But think about this in this context. My child, everyone's a child of God. Will you treasure my wisdom? Then and only then will you acquire it. And only if you accept my advice and hide it within, will you succeed. So train your heart to listen when I speak. Are you doing that? Are we training our hearts? Are we maintaining and cultivating, like Jesus taught, the soil of our heart so that when the seed is planted, it can grow? Train your heart to listen when I speak. Open your spirit to expand your discernment. Then do what? Exactly what Chuck said. Pass it on. Everybody say, pass it on. Pass it on to who? Your sons and your daughters. Raise your hand if you have a son or a daughter in the room. Or they don't have to be in the room, but you're a parent. Okay, yeah. So you know what that feels like as a parent? What about old man, what was his name? Old man Wrigley. That's what I see old man Solomon Sitting on the porch. He's writing these words. You know, when I was uh, in my early 20s, I wouldn't listen. I thought, well, I, heard, I learned to hear the voice of God once. So I've got it. Who else needs to tell me what they hear? That's the stupidest line of thinking you could ever have. I mean, seriously, like, ding, like what in the world is wrong with you? I mean, it was so bad to me. I made major life decisions when everybody in my life, my pastor, my parents, my Christian friends are saying, I don't know about, made major life decisions because of this one stupid error that I thought I knew the voice of the Lord for me and therefore what everyone else was saying, they couldn't be right. What an idiot. I have a feeling though, not only am I not, Not only am I not the only one in the room that has felt that way, but even in the Bible. I think if you, I'm going to get to this in a minute, but if you get to Solomon's son, Rehoboam, he listened to all his buddies instead of the elders. What an idiot. Sorry, I mean, no disrespect. I asked a few older people recently I interviewed them to think of a time when they needed a word to make a life decision. And then God spoke and they listened and they learned from it and they 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 grew from there. And here's what one um, woman said whose sixty-five-year-old mother and grandmother been following Jesus her entire life. That's a long time. And um, passionately, at least since her young adulthood or teen years. She wrote, I grew up in a Christian home. We were Methodists, and my mom was the most Christian person I knew. My daddy was Christian, but he was more quiet about his faith. During my college days, I began visiting a church that was involved in the Jesus movement. I loved it and made some great friends who had dramatic salvation experiences. When I graduated with a journalism degree, I interviewed for a job in Oxford, North Carolina. It seemed like the perfect opportunity. At the church, we had just started the practice of gathering together and seeking for a word from the Lord about decisions we were making. Ooh, that's that's risky. Anyway, well, I decided to go for it, really believing I would receive confirmation about the job, but sincerely wanting to lay it before him. At my request, about 30 people gathered in the pastor's home to pray. After nearly an hour of praying, we received a word of knowledge spoken from one of my friends. To my surprise, the word was that the job was a diversion and that I should not take it. I was shocked, but I believed it was the Lord's direction. I was so afraid to tell my daddy. He was so proud that I went to Carolina and he had worked so hard to support me there and keep me from quitting. I didn't want to tell him that the Lord had said for me not to take this job. When I went home, I sat down with him and tried to explain this word I had sought and received. His response actually confirmed the word. He said, that's okay. I really didn't feel good about your going up there uncovered anyway. I didn't realize he knew what uncovered meant. In the ensuing days and years, I've realized that the Lord was using that word to increase my faith and to position me for the call he had on my life. Among other things, he kept me in a place to meet my husband to be and to set the course for the most wonderful adventures of my life. Seeking the voice and the peace of the Lord in my life became essential and a part of the rhythm of making choices for me. Each instance was supported. By the experience of the last, as me, he met me over and over. Even at 65 years of age, I know nothing is better than hearing his voice and following his instructions. There is no other life for me. In case you hadn't guessed yet, that was my mother in law, Janet Moore, that wrote that. And there's still no other life for you, Janet. God is still speaking to you. And people like Janet are sitting here with a wealth, with a well of spiritual words and experiences that other people need. We need to rely on each other. We have a false illusion of our social media generation that if I can Facebook it, then someone will get it. Well, maybe they will, but maybe it takes a porch swing and a cold glass of lemonade or dadgummit, at least a good cup of Starbucks. How about a phone call? I can't tell you, I wouldn't be in my destiny today if it weren't for all of you sitting here that gave me that word, that gave me that encouragement. To this day, this week, I picked up the phone to ask Byron Wicker a question. Like, I don't know exactly what to do in this situation, Byron. What do you think? And I've always been able to do that. Whether it was my marriage or a parenting issue, I mean, You would blush if you knew the questions I had asked Byron. Well, he would definitely blush, but yeah, I'm I'm not going to go there. I'm just saying, though, it's just real. This is real life. So this is what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, this time in the good old New King James. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls." For he has no one to help him up again. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. I listened to the podcast. Byron talked about identity and our inheritance in the context of family last week. Solomon, the son of a king, a king himself, He built the temple his father designed. Think about that. God has given you the design, the vision for something you may not have been chosen to build. Rehoboam, Solomon's boy, in his passion of youth, again, listened to his peers instead of his elders and split the kingdom. Let's don't make that mistake. How will the vision continue and be built? All right, I need some uh, volunteer participants. Actually, I'm going to pick them. Daniel Baker, come up here. I got to do this fast. Daniel Baker, come out here. Stand next. To stand right here, Daniel. Everybody, give me a hand. I call him Glover. All right. Your sign, passion. The passion of youth. The millennial generation. Put on your most passionate face, Daniel. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Isn't this awesome? These guys are so full of life, so full of hunger, so full of passion. Like the glory of God resides on this generation. Doesn't it, Mama Judy? Like, you know, yeah. All right. Can he run on his own? Marlon Magusu, get up here. I want you to stand next to Glover, or Daniel here. Here, I, Link arms, arm in arm. This is going to be hard for you, Marlon. But your, your generation represents, hey, pay attention. Your generation represents the strength of maturity. So let's see your most mature face here, Marlon. All right, come on. Now how about these guys? Like they're getting stronger. All right, Don Gein, come to the stage. Come on. Woo, give Don a hand. Don, link arms with Marlon, and we want to see your wisest look, Don, the man of great wisdom. All right, hold on one second. I got to take a selfie. There we go. All right, all right. Give these guys a big hand. Y'all can be seated. Here, I'll take your signs. Thanks. Take your wisdom away. <laughs> Stole those titles from Jim Hill. Passion of youth. You know, in the Hebrew culture, you, don't, you're, you didn't get out of the youth category until age 40. So uh, my wife's still in the youth group. I just got out a few years ago. You can tell by the, the silver, silver linings. Isn't that interesting? The strength of maturity and the wisdom of age. God is building our River Life churches, on three generations running together. What's interesting, as Janet alluded to, we didn't plan it that way for Chapel Hill Church. God God has sovereignly set it up. When God called, first of all, my wife, who grew up in Mooresville, and we got the word after word to go back to Chapel Hill three and a half years ago and start another expression of this, I told my parents who moved there in 1981 to start a campus ministry unrelated with River Life. 1981 was Maranatha Campus Ministries, Bob Weiner's ministry. They were part of a team from southeast Missouri. My dad sold his dental practice to go to a place that he didn't even know, like Abram. And so he goes out there, scratched to make ends meet. And then after 35 years, that ministry grew to be a church and build a big what I call Coliseum, and just a massive church. 35 years later, their son and daughter-in-law and our kids come back, and God says, I want you to start again. And they, they've been the integral part of helping us in this process, please pray, in this process of building. And now, it's not exactly what Janet said, no offense, but it's not just that, well, we, we could take you in. Oh, no. God has a sovereign plan. Now, in one household, three generations will be living together. In one church, the multiple generations will be worshiping together, praying together, planting together. God's not done with you yet. He's got a work for you to do. It might be green beans, but it's going to be a lot more. Three minutes, Doug. I'm doing good. More of Solomon's wisdom real quick. I think this is verse 6. Wisdom is a gift. Listen to these. These are so amazing. This is back to Proverbs chapter 2, somewhere around verse 6. Wisdom is a gift from a generous God. And every word he speaks is full of revelation and become a fountain of understanding within you. How many people have experienced that? Every word he speaks is just full of revelation. God says blue. You're like, blue, oh my gosh, it's the greatest color. Well, actually, it is. Carolina blue especially, but anything God says, it's like God said it, and somehow my life has changed. That's what wisdom contains, for the Lord has hidden storehouses of wisdom made accessible to his godly lovers. He becomes your personal bodyguard. Who needs a personal bodyguard? As you follow his ways, protecting and guarding you as you choose what is right. Notice that wisdom is accessible by godly lovers. Wisdom comes from passion, not just principle. Wisdom comes from passion, becomes like a fountainhead within you. He goes on. Then you will discover all that is just, proper, and fair, and be empowered to make the right decisions as you walk into your destiny. Don't you love that? Who wants to be empowered this morning to to walk in your destiny? Who wants to be empowered to make the right decisions? I don't care how old or young you are, everybody's raising their hand in their hearts. That's what we all want. God set it up that together we do that. It may not be a meeting in the pastor's house. Byron's hoping that it's not. But it can be that kind of communication of that kind of strength. When you've got big decisions or small decisions or big struggles or small struggles, call somebody, get together with them. Say, what have you learned from similar experiences or how have you heard God? So important. When wisdom wins your heart and revelation breaks in, true pleasures into your soul if you choose to follow good counsel divine design will watch over you and understanding will protect you from making poor choices it will rescue you from evil in disguise and from those who speak duplicities For they have left the highway of holiness and walk in the ways of darkness. They take pleasure when evil prospers and thoroughly enjoy a lifestyle of sin. But they're walking on a path to nowhere, wandering away into deeper deception. Only wisdom can save you from the flattery of the promiscuous woman. This is a description of this generation that we're all a part of, is it not? the promiscuous woman. It's not about gender. I'm not talking about sexuality. I'm saying this is the, a description here. An old man Solomon sitting on the porch swing and he's like, will you listen, my son? Will you pay attention, my daughter? She's such a smooth talking seductress. She left her husband and has forgotten her wedding vows. You'll find her house on the road to hell and all the men who go through her doors will never come back to the place they were. They will find nothing but desolation and despair. Follow those who follow wisdom and stay on the right path. For all my godly lovers will enjoy the life, life to the fullest and will inherit their destinies. But the treacherous ones who love darkness, will not only lose all that they could have had, they will lose even their own souls. Note, passion, not principles. Discovery, not just discipline. Delight, not duty alone. Being instead of doing. These are what leads to a full life. We're church planners. We need people to do stuff. But you know what God needs more than anything? God needs people who will be with him. God needs people who will be. I don't ever want to just use people for what they can do. I think I can safely say, in this church at River Life, it's not about what you can do. We're not here to build our empire. We're here to simply be with him. To simply be with God. This is the context of all that our fathers have written to us. Finally, our father designed us, as already been said, for family. He conceived us in his heart and birthed us into natural families and spiritual families. Within the context of family, our identity is formed Number one, we learn to hear the voice of our Father. Number two, we learn to discern God's will for each circumstance of our lives. And number three, we grow in honor for God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit as is reflected in the lives of the people in our church. He prepares us to carry legacy into the future.
1: Amen? All right. So I didn't think I would have anything, but when I was just sitting there, um, the aunt on- and it's funny that he just said the thing about honor. Is I've just felt like more and more the Lord just keeps speaking to us about honoring one another and honoring the generations, and and it really does take honoring the gold that is inside each one of us and each one of our generations. And really, sometimes it takes you humbling yourself to say, you know what? You've really got something I need. And so I'm coming to you and saying, will you pray for me? (laughs) You know what it is you have, that breakthrough that you're receiving, I believe you can release it to me, you know, or you can just pray for me. You can just, and just realizing that we do need one another, but it's looking for the gold in each other. And calling that out. I was saying to somebody just recently, I realized, and my children know that sometimes I might talk about them, but I realized I have a senior who's graduating. And I got my dad all over me lots, but <laughs> I have a senior who's graduating. And since he was little, my mom, me, we would tell him things that we saw in him. And he wouldn't necessarily, you know say that back, like, this is who I am, you know, but I was having to help him get ready for um, applying for some scholarships, and you know, in scholarships, it says, tell us a little bit about who you are, and I went to read one of the scholarships he wrote, and realized that he had written in there things that I had realized my mom and I had been declaring over him since he was little, and I didn't realize he was catching Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't realize how powerful your words over one another, the weight it carries in the different generations. But I just want to encourage you that even if you think that somebody's not catching it, or even if they're walking in a time where they're not walking in alignment with it, just keep calling it out. And even saying, listen, what you're doing, that's not who you are. Stop it. Come on, let's be who you really are. Remember, remember, I'm going to tell you who you really are, you know, and really encouraging one another, loving each other. And it's really awesome. It's an awesome destiny to be a family. It's an awesome destiny to have one another and realize that we've been created for a relationship. We, that's who God's made us to be. We're in need of relationship with him and a relationship with one another. And we love y'all. We just want to tell you all that. And we're very thankful for times we can come home and be at our mom and dad's house. That's how we feel. So we love y'all. Bless you.